opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like this before. You know, Wobbles, I'm kind of mad at you. As a reasonable man, I'm willing to do whatever's necessary to find a peaceful solution to these problems. Right, welcome viewers and listeners, listeners and viewers to the Punching Up podcast where two long-standing friends and movie lovers um, take a bit of a swing at movies that are in the canon. That is classic movies, cult classic movies and just incredibly popular beloved movies and the subject. Oh, firstly, hello, my name is Adam Nightingale and you are? Damien. Mm-hmm, good. Now, um, the subject for this week's Punching Up podcast is... What is it, Damien? Cat Baloo. Cat Baloo. Now, Cat Baloo is an odd, odd subject for this uh, podcast because I, I wouldn't necessarily say, Damien, well, before we get into it, that it's it's necessarily perceived as a classic. It's definitely the kind of odd one out in all the movies that we've selected so far, isn't it? Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. So more of a cult classic. Yeah, or, or just popular, like, bank holiday, Monday, Sunday afternoon viewing. But it is a very, very popular film. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll explain what we're going to have a pop at in a minute. But it's not the film per se. So before we do that, Damien, could you give a, a, a synopsis of Cat Ballou? So Jane Fonda plays Catherine Ballou, an aspiring school teacher who returns to her father's ranch in Wyoming in the early 1890s to find that he's in trouble with some dodgy locals who want his land. He's threatened by uh, Tim Strawn, played by Lee Marvin, uh, the sinister, noseless Tim Strawn. And so Kat enlists the help of her father's farmhand, a couple of petty crooks, a famous gunfighter, Kid Shaleen, also played by Lee Marvin, who turns out to be a useless drunk, and then comedic shenanigans ensue. Um, the film is punctuated throughout with verses of the song, The Ballad of Cat Baloo, yeah, sung well. brilliantly and performed brilliantly by Natkin Cole and Stubby Kay, who plays yeah, a kind of Greek well. chorus for the film. And the film was made in 1965. There you go. Uh, that's fantastic. That's better than what I would have done. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, make, the making of the film. The film was originally uh, based on a, on a novel um, that wasn't a comedy. Uh, the Ballad of Cat Ballou, and it was a, a straight-up, like, female-led revenge western. It, the rights were bought by Columbia. The author, let me consult my notes, Roy Chancellor, uh, is also famous for writing the book that the Nicholas Ray, Joan Crawford starring western Johnny Guitar was based on. And, it, yeah, it was initially, you know, conceived as a, as, as a straight-up revenge western, but then at some point, I'm not sure when, they decided they were going to make it a comedy they're going to make it a musical comedy. And then Columbia Pictures um, had a bit of a catastrophe with Westerns, courtesy of my favourite director, uh, who is no longer with us, Sam Peckinpah, who made Major Dundee, which um, was an absolute nightmare to shoot. There was massive falling out between Peckinpah and the studio. It was reshot. It was expensive. It lost a load of money. So they scaled down the amount of money they were going to pump into Westerns. And so... They, 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 they're going to put out this like modestly budgeted Western. They try and get some big names. So Kirk Douglas was the um, the first choice for Kid Shaleen. He didn't want to do it. They wanted to get Anne, Anne Margaret, who I'm assuming was like quite hot off the tails of Bye Bye Birdie at that point. Um, she didn't do it. I think she wanted to do it. I'm not sure why she didn't get the job. 
um, at, at some point, but Lancaster and Tony Curtis were involved. And then they, they settle on up-and-coming starlet, daughter of Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda, who's largely an untested actress at this point and is better known for being incredibly pretty and being the daughter of, not the daughter of Peter Fonda, that'd be weird, the daughter of Henry Fonda uh, and the, the, the wife of Roger Vadim, you know, the sort of French director who'd gone to direct her in Barbarella. Um, they settle on Lee Marvin because Lee Marvin, um, who ha has had this in incredible 10-year uh, career as being one of the, the, the best supporting heavies and then lead heavies in movies, um, but not necessarily a household name, had done a C D TV series uh, at his agent's insistence called M Squad. And that had given him like household fame status and a bit of marquee value. And so they cast him and they counter cast him as a comedy drunk and, you know, as, as Damien pointed out, his uh, his evil, evil brother with a tin nose. Um, and he just goes for it. I think it's fair to say. Um, he is almost fired for overacting by the producer and and the director, Elliot Silverstein, um, basically like says, if, if he goes, I go. And then the film comes out with um, Lee Marvin's performance front and center of it and the film makes a colossal fortune it, it, its budget was um i think i can't remember what its budget was but it made like 20 20 million in america which was an enormous in adjusted dollars that's an enormous uh, hit and then um lee marvin goes on to cause a surprise upset at the oscars beating the lights of rod steiger and Lawrence olivier to win his first and only oscar um, uh, just a couple, couple of couple of things. We're not really going to talk about the movie that much. Just a couple of inter interesting sort of little 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 facts, dark facts about it. Um, it, it was Nat King Cole's last movie. Uh, so Nat King Cole died of cancer. <laughs> the the author died the year uh, the, the the film came out. And one of the, the character actors, J C. Flippin, um, lost his leg. <laughs> Surely, so, so I think there's I think there's a case to be made. There's, there's a, a curse. Of Cat Baloo, um, we might be the first to to sort of highlight the yeah. curse of Cat Baloo, and I, I think it definitely exhibited some kind of cursed effect on many of Lee Marvin's performances after he won his Oscar, and um, and and so the the subject, the reason that we're punching up today is we're having a pot at Lee Marvin's outrageously bad acting that was rewarded with an Academy Award. And I have to put the caveat in that Lee Marvin is one of my three favorite actors. Wow, <laughs> that was really exciting. <laughs> I bet you're a big Lee Marvin fan, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, me too. I love that guy. The other two being Robert Mitchum and Lee Van Cleef. And it shames me to watch him in this film because I love him so much. So, so can I just ask you, Firstly, Damien, because you'd never seen Cat, Cat Baloo before. I've seen it too many times. What did you think of the film itself? We'll talk about Marvin in a minute. What do you think of the film? What are your thoughts on the film? It's quite pedestrian. It's not, it doesn't sort of have anything spectacular about it. The uh, highlights of the film were Jane Fonda, although I don't think she had a lot to play with. She was ultimately the straight person um, 
with lots of sort of clowning going on um, and buffoonery uh, around her. And I did hear that she was uh, quite pissed off with Lee Marvin, um, that she wanted to uh, have it a little bit more of a serious film. I think she wanted to be a serious actor. Uh, and the other part that I really enjoyed were the uh, was the musical numbers. Ah, um, uh, progress. Yeah. For, yeah, for those yeah. listeners um, who, who listen to our Young Frankenstein episode, this is this is uh, this is this is uh, I don't know what they call this in psychological terms, but this is this is definitely breakthrough. A step forward. Breakthrough, yeah. Um, Nat King Cole and Stubby K are brilliant. They punctuate the film really nicely and uh, get, re-energize it. I suppose the. Yeah, it was just a bit boring, really. And Lee Marvin is just, you know, the the the, the, the I, I hated Lee Marvin in it, and I hated John Marley in it. I re- like I really I hated John Marley more than I hated Lee Marvin, to be honest which, with you. Which one? Remind me, which one was John Marley? John Marley was, is because you got like three young three young supports. No yeah, it's not any of those. Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. He's John Marley is uh, her dad, Frankie Ballou. Yeah. Um, who goes on? Who went on to play Jack Waltz um, in The Godfather, the oh. movie producer who finds himself with a horse's yeah. head in in his bed, yeah. and she was the greatest piece of ass in the world, and I've had him all over the world, you know. She was the greatest piece of ass I've ever had, and I've had him all over the world. So another bad misquote that I'll fix in in the edit. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't buy anything that he was doing. I just found him so, uh, it felt like he was just saying the words. And I yeah. thought, mm, and I don't think I've seen him in anything else apart from The Godfather. And he's great as Jack Waltz in The Godfather. Yeah. It works brilliantly, but... Um, and, and, and Lee Marvin's great in everything else he does that's not a comedy, which, which yeah. we can talk about, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing Paint Your Wagon or any of the other sort of no, no, um, no, no, other no, no, uh, and so yeah, all in all, Cat, Cat Baloo, aka Scat Baloo, aka Shat Baloo. Um, uh, yeah, not 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 my favourite film. And you said you've seen it too many times. I'm probably never going to see it again. Well, I, I saw it. I mean, the reason I saw it too many times was because uh, my my niece. I watched it out of curiosity, like a few, I don't know, maybe last year. And uh, my my niece was watching it with me, and so I just enjoyed watching it with my niece because my, my mission is to get her into westerns. Um, and she's savage, and, uh, and and she and she and she she enjoys them. She really enjoyed Cat Baloo, and she enjoyed the you know the the horrible Benny Hill moment where they. Because I was going to say, yeah, horrible. yeah. And, so she enjoyed all of that sort of stuff, and she enjoyed him. Um, yeah, I think I think the film's ordinary. It, it's likable. I mean, I, I watched it. You know, in my rewatch, I kind of thought it's, it's mildly amusing. It's got some really interesting stuff that you have to explain or, or not explain to a seven-year-old because one of the characters is basically a sex pest, isn't he? And he's constantly sort of um, climbing into <laughs> Catherine Ballou's like bedroom, birth, and, and just basically trying to sort of get in, a, get in her drawers. And yeah, and that, that was that was an interesting conversation with a seven-year-old, just trying to talk around that, you know, for a family film. <laughs> things, you know, so things were different in the 60s, as they say. And... And yeah, I think I think a lot of the a lot of the leads are likable. They're a bit anonymous, and interestingly, none of them really went on to stardom. I actually like Jane Fonda. I think she she gives her the best performance in the film, you know. And and and, and yeah. there's, you know, you you can see a graduation from like naive, you know, schoolgirl to kind of outlaw, enthusiastic outlaw. I, I like the. What do you think of the English guy? You know, the English villain, the English. Uh, it's it's a broad performance, but I really liked. You know, the one that's in the bath um, constantly. Oh in, yeah, in, yeah. Um, I mean, like in in Young Frankenstein, we were talking about, like he's straight out of Carry On. 
films. Yeah, or or or, no? or like bed knobs and broomsticks. It feels like you know, is it yeah. David Tomlinson? He feels like the sort of um, you know the dad in Mary Poppins, or you know, David Tomlinson in bed knobs and broomsticks. Um, I think I think all his scenes were directed terribly and yeah. um, not given any kind of comedic rhythm yeah. to them. There was there was so many bits where it just cut out and he just thought, you're yeah. missing a trick here. Like you could actually, he's not bad, but fix the whole thing in the edit. And the edit was just, you know, um, I think it was a waste of time. Like, he, the, the, I don't know, Elliot Silverstein, I don't really know too much if he's done what else. He, a Man Called Horse, didn't he, afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can yeah, and, and a film I remember from when I was a kid, you know, a, a horror film called The Car about a demon possessed car, which is quite good fun. And and you can see it's really weird. You can see him going to the other extreme, so like a man man called horse, and dealing with another a- actor who who is prone to overact sometimes, Richard Harris, <laughs> and then sort of abandoning the family friendliness of Cat Baloo almost as a form of aversion therapy, and, and and making one of the most sadistic westerns of the 1970s, with you know Richard Harris getting hung up by his nips by you know eagle mm. clubs swung around a teepee, um, you know. Uh, yeah, so so I feel like we're punching down, like roughing up Elliot Silverstein because he's not Scorsese, he's not, yeah, he's not even Mel Brooks really. And what I wrote in my notes when I was rewatching Cat Baloo was, and this is a reference to our, our, our last but one podcast. Looking at Lee Marvin's acting, I feel I owe Marty Feldman an apology. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, because if you if, if if you've seen that podcast, I've really really kind of give Marty Feldman a hard time for his his mugging and bugging, and um, Lee Marvin. There's just no restraint in his performance. There's not a top he doesn't go over, you know, and and he's just absolutely gurning, you know, from top to bottom. Vocally, he's appalling. You know, you've got that awful bit where he's trying to remember his name he's going happy birthday happy birthday and, and, and there's a bit where oh. they're, they're sort of they're, they're, I can't even remember why but he, he's interjecting with I'll drink to that you know and then and then his sort of physical comedy when he's trying there's a famous scene and people love this film this is why I, I want to punch at it people absolutely love this film Lee Marvin fans love this performance and and you know the, the, you know the, the whole physical comedy where he's he's trying he's trying to it's a nice joke where he, he he's, he's drawing his gun it's a nice line rather and he, and he he's, he's trying to shoot a target on a barn and he misses the barn. Somebody says, you've done it. You've missed the barn. But it, but it's just like kind of eye rolling. It's this sort of like physical lurches everywhere. And, and, and just the whole thing is one of the most indulged performances by what I would argue is a great actor. And it went on mercifully. No, I, I think there's a, I, I want to make a comparison here between, um, you know, the way certain rewarded and praised performances will destroy someone's acting to an extent. And so you get a pre-shining Jack Nicholson, don't you? And a post-shining Jack Nicholson. And a pre-shining Jack Nicholson is five easy pieces. It's Chinatown. Subtle. I mean, he still does his, his, his big Nicholson moments. The passenger, Antonio needs the passenger. Um, you know, easy rider. And then and then everything after The Shining, when, when Kubrick lets him go big, arguably slightly unbalances the movie in the second half is different. Then, then he becomes jacked, doesn't he? And he's, he's he's less an actor. He's still an actor. He still does brilliant stuff. And, and, and Al Pacino in Scarface. Al Pacino, pre-Scarface, is this subtle, quiet actor. So quiet. Yeah. And, and, and even in stuff like Dog Day Afternoon, where he's, 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 he's quite a, an extrovert character, he's a subtle actor. 
not so after you know and, he, and he's become a trope hasn't he you know the, the line between scarface descent of a woman turns him into a completely different very very shouty still brilliant but very very shouty actor doesn't quite happen with lee marvin and we, we can talk a, a little bit about i'm not gonna talk yeah. a lot about lee marvin we can talk about what he was like before and what he was like after from this point on he 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 sort of dev he zigs and zags in his career and he and he and he, he carries on doing to greater and greater effect, I think, the stuff that he did beforehand, these great, controlled, subtle, nasty, morally ambivalent character roles. But then he does Paint Your Wagon. Uh, and then he does this appalling movie with 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 Roger Moore, um, where Roger Moore, you, you look at Roger Moore and you think, I'm, and it's one of the few times you can say, I'm, I'm backing Roger Moore as the better <laughs> actor in this scene, this this sort of uh, this, this movie, this adventure movie called Shout at the Devil, and that, and he's you know, and, and it sort of infected his acting, and it's just the the way the Academy can reward something so over the top and grotesque. Um, so so we can we can we can go in a lot of directions here, and I'll let you pick the path, Damien. Yeah, before we do that, yeah. um, I was thinking about his performance in this and related yeah. to what we were talking about in Young Frankenstein when you said Gene Wilder lets Marty Feldman basically do whatever he wants and yeah. go go ham, which is basically what he does. Uh, I think that, that that this director let Lee Marvin do exactly what he wants and doesn't, like, like I said about the English actor, he doesn't, the, he doesn't know how to direct these scenes. And this is not, you know, He's probably just a, a journeyman director and that and like so we're not, is, you know, yeah. as you said, um, but I think this is why it doesn't work. The editing and the directing. I think you could have got a better performance. Well, actually, the script as well, because to be fair, when we got to the end, Megan said, like, he didn't even need to be in the film. Like, Kid Cheyenne, the Kid Shaleen doesn't even need to be in the film. He's like, he does nothing. He doesn't help any, anybody. And actually, the, the big showdown, this is another great example of that. The big showdown between him and Tim Strawn is it, 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 pathetic. Like, nothing happens. Like, he, he goes into the room, sees him, and then he goes out. And it's like, I don't know if they just left that on the editing floor, that it was just so bad, or they didn't film it, or what, but... I feel like a lot of it is just, you just go for it. We'll film it. Yep, that's fine. We'll put that in. And it just doesn't work compositionally, I don't think, um, performance-wise and narratively-wise. You know, uh, they could have, as you said, like that bit when he says, I want a drink. He's sat in the bar, isn't he? And and the rest of them are trying to have a conversation like, oh, what are we going to do? Are they trying to rob the train or something? Or they've just robbed the train, something like that. And they all seem to be in the same film. And he's in a totally different film. It's like he's just saying, I want a drink, I want a drink. And nobody gives a shit. Like, nobody cares. Like, you're not... You, the, the way that the character is being brought into the film, it's just not... Who cares? Like, and yeah, the fact that the Academy and then the public um, lauded him with such, uh, you know, praise is just beyond me. But, you know, people don't know what they... They don't know what... <laughs> They don't know you, things, do they? Turning into okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> this is my now, first now, one. Yeah. One, one, one of the things, uh, one, one of the things that we we agreed to do beforehand was that well, there's an interesting little kind of a awards like for like comparison here because obviously often one of the criticisms about awards in general, especially acting awards, is you're comparing apples with oranges. You know, um, you know how how, can, how you know how can you compare? You know, different different performances by different you know if 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 all of the actors are of a similar caliber, but 
a year before um, Lee Marvin won a BAFTA, his only BAFTA uh, in a category that doesn't exist anymore, Best International Performance by a Leading Man, for uh, a movie he did called The Killers. Um, and I think that's one of his best performances. Um, it's a brilliant you, film, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah you watched brilliant. it. Do you, want, do you want to talk a little bit about Because I'm, I'm very, very familiar with The Killers. You watched it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, you, you can add, add in. I, I, I love the tone of it. I love the... Um, can you just explain what it is to people who don't know? First? Yeah, so uh, Lee Marvin and Clue Gulaga play a couple of killers who uh, break into a school and execute John Cassavetes who's a school teacher at a, uh, uh, um, at a blind school, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the movie goes on in flashback to tell you how we got to that point. And then skips forward as well, doesn't it? It's like they, they find out like what happened to John Cassavetes and then they move forward with uh, Lee Marvin and Clue Gallega trying to find out why they've been sent to kill this guy because they've been paid a lot of money and it seems odd and some reason Lee Marvin wants to, he's got it in his uh, in his bonnet that he wants to find out what happened. And yeah, you go on this really kind of like noir, we were talking before about like film noir versus hard boiled. Hmm. What would you call, would you call that a hard boiled or a? I, I would call it both. Um, I mean, it's not, it's stylistically not a noir because it's, it's film, I mean, it's, it was, it was a made-for-TV movie that was released theatrically, so it was filmed in a uh, cinematic wow. aspect ratio. And it was ultimately, I think it was released theatrically in Europe, and then I don't think it was screened um, in um, in America because it was considered too violent. And, and considering it came out in 63, and also there were parallels with the, there's a sequence where someone gets shot from a roof by a sniper, and it came out in around about the same time as the Kennedy assassination. So there was all of that sort of... Um, all, all, all of that sort of static in the background kind of affected its chances on TV. Um, and also, it, it, you know, for its time, it is incredibly violent. They have this, like, shocking sequence that still shocks me, where they're interrogating Angie Dickinson. And then Clue Gallagher just turns around and punches her full on in the face, and then Lee Marvin tries to throw her out of the window. And it's still shocking today. I mean, on my Blu-ray, my, the Blu-ray I watched on, it still has an 18 certificate, which I think is a little bit excessive. But it might be that. That, that sequence that gives it its 18 certificate. And it's quite bloody for a TV movie of the time. And, and, and I had and, no idea that it was a TV movie yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it doesn't feel like a TV movie at all. It feels like a really well put together cinematic yeah. piece of, you know, film. And, and also the big, the big difference between that and um, directorially between that and Cat Baloo is it's directed by Don Siegel, who up to that point had got a, a reputation as being one of the, tight, the best, you know, tightest, kind of stripped back directors of, of, of sort of thrillers. And, you know, at that point he got um, Riot and Cell Block 11 and Invasion of the Body Snatchers under his belt. And he's going to go on to make Dirty Harry and uh, Charlie Varick and Escape from Alcatraz. That, that's ahead of it, you know, and and and, and he's great. Uh, you know, some great, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of the, the bits that Lee Marvin and Clue Gallagher aren't in. I think they sag a bit. I think Angie Dickinson's great. She's always great. She's a, she's a great boy for him. I think, I think they, they they made three movies together. She was one of his best sparring part. Well, sparring's probably not the best choice of words considering she gets punched in the face, but, yeah. but you know, best acting partners. But Marvin is amazing in it. And also, also, it's, it's based it's based on the, the Ernest Hemingway story, The Killers. And, 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 and Marvin's so controlled and tight 
Uh, mm-hmm. He in, his interplay with Gallagher is brilliant, and, and yeah. you, you know that, that that comes straight out of the novel. I'm not the novel, the short story, because yeah, the, the, you know the sort of the, the it's a very it's a short short story, and and, and it's just basically two killers wait to kill a guy, intimidating people in a diner. So they've expanded the story a lot, and and the sort of spice of the story is just two killers, and and, and also the kind of ambiguity because what what, what triggers the um, investigation it's, it's killers investigating their own assassination isn't it and he, and he makes out that it's the money but it's nice something a bit more existential it's like i've never seen anyone not run and just accept their fate and i yeah. want to know yeah and so and so right. there's there's, there's, a, there's a kind of the moment he does that the the, the, the film noir elements definitely oddball the film noir elements that kick in are the fatalism so the moment he makes that decision without spoiling everything everyone is doomed you know in, in the movie and 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 also you've got the femme fatale one of the great sort of you know one of the great color cinema femme fatales and angie dickinson and 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 he's he's just controlled isn't he so tight he's droll he looks amazing i think you know and it's almost like that becomes his like default look his gray suit you know and 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 uh his white hair and 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 he's so you know, it's almost like it's almost like the two performances of two completely different actors who look a bit simple. You know, and and um, and I keep saying that he's controlled, he's tight, his voice is very modulated, he's very soft. I love Lee Marvin's sarcasm, uh, and and he's got this lovely, like, and he, he he doesn't shout until one point in the film where he screams in like Angie Dickens' face, and then and then there's this explosion of violence that's in him all the time, and then and then all the physical physical gurning all the horrible physical overacting you see what a brilliant physical performer he is and can be in the killers because there's a scene where he's he's wounded and he's just staggering around somewhere like falling down trying to trying to sort of execute a task and i think the only person that can pair with him in terms of like graceful brilliant balletic dying scenes is james cagney who was an actual dancer so if you watch his 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 sort of warner brothers gangster movies he he always has a you know, he was as a death where he got, you know, in, in the roaring 20s, there's a bit of his shot and he like staggers up the steps of this building and then staggers down and then falls. And Lee Marvin matches him, you know, you know, in terms of his physicality and his gracefulness. And, and if you watch The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, there's no no spoiler to say that he dies in that because it's called he's Liberty Valance and it's called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. When yeah. he's eventually shot in that film, the way he falls over and dies is comparably graceful. You know, it's almost almost like he defies gravity and kind of low. It almost like it's almost like kind of yeah. So sort of just 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 lowers himself to the ground. That's this way of falling over that's kind of beautiful to watch. And and that's the Lee Marvin I love. And that's the Lee Marvin that should have been rewarded with Oscars, like mm. way before he gets one in 1966. You know, he should he should have had a supporting as a supporting actor Oscar for something like The Big Heat or maybe The Man Who Shot the Liberty Valance as one of his heavies. But why do you think he took the role? Why do you think he took the role in the first place? Well, I don't, you know, I'd, I mean, it's an opportunity, isn't it, to mm. do something different as an actor? Yeah. I think that had the script been tighter, had it been woven better, mm. and had the director, and I'm repeating myself here, that you could have made a really interesting film mm. and he could have been really good in it and you just tighten him up a little bit just have somebody who knows what they're doing with the reins and then you can i mean had that happened 
maybe he wouldn't have had the wouldn't have got the Oscar. You know, who knows? It would have been a better film, but less. Oh, look at him. He's falling down. Oh, look at him. He, he can't shoot. Oh, it's so, <laughs> so funny. It's not funny, mate. It's just, it's not funny. But, but he can be funny. That's the thing. I think he's funnier yeah. in The Killers. He's funnier in The Killers. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. He's funny. Have you seen Have you seen Point Blank recently? Yeah, a like, long time ago. Yeah, he's funny in that. But, you know, he's funny. There's, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a great sequence in that where, you know, the, 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 the contrivance of the film in terms of his crime plot is he's been ripped off for a certain amount of money. I think $35,000. And he goes after that amount of money and no more. But in doing that, yeah. he absolutely destroys the infrastructure of a corporate crime syndicate. And there's a bit where he meets the top man. And the man asks him, like, why are you doing this? Why are you threatening this? Because I just want my money. And he goes, no, no, really. And he just has this, and he goes, no, I just want my money. And, and, it's, and it's really funny. And, and sinister and, and, and kind of slightly unknowable, like, like, like he is in his, in his best roles, in, in his best anti-heroes. And in his best villains, there's just a real animal savagery there. You know, and, and the, the interesting comparison is something like the man who shot Liberty Valance, because he kind of does, if you want to know, yeah, he does a lot of the same things he does. I mean, he's 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 he's, he's verging on going over the top of all his villains. It's it's the one that's the most over the top. And, and, and for a while, it was like my least favourite. So I watched it recently and I, I think he's fantastic in it. And he almost wears exactly the same outfit because there's a bit where... He dresses in his old in, in Cat Blue, that is. He dresses in his old garb, doesn't he? He has he has it, a, you know, you know, and he, and he looks ridiculous. He's got this kind of Zorro style, like Hispanic gear, which he wears in Man Shot Liberty Valance. I don't know if that was a reference, and he looks ridiculous, but he's not ridiculous in that. He's 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 pretty much doing a lot of the same stuff physically, but he's playing it as an absolute savage, and it works. Do you think the film would have worked better just as a straight-up Western rather than a comedy? Um, a Cat Baloo, I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, if, they, if they'd adapted I, it sort of straight. Because I, I, I've not read the book. I don't, I don't know, you know how, how, how far it deviates from the actual novel. But I think it could have worked as it is if you just had somebody who knew what they were doing controlling <laughs> it. Um, literally, that, I Albert. think that... Well, yeah, well, because... I, well, Blazing Saddles does it better i suppose right yeah. it's more of a it's, a it's a funnier comedy mm. um i i think it's great that marvin did this film i think it's great because it's an opportunity any actor who who is doing a certain thing and is very you know buttoned up and tight and you know very sort of as you say um very rigid performance not rigid it's not the right word but like very um pent up Coiled, uh, performances yeah um uh, is it then allowed to kind of play when they've been doing this for a long time? Great, brilliant. Like you, you want to, as an actor, try different things. And sometimes you might succeed, sometimes you might not succeed. Well, there's me and you here saying that he didn't succeed, but then there's the Academy and then uh, all the public who's saying how amazing he, he is and the and the critics saying how brilliant he is. So, you know. Well, no, 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 a lot of crit critics didn't. A lot of the critics didn't like it. Pauline Kale, who, who I can't remember the quote, but I remember, I remember a quote that she, she said at one point, um, Lee Marvin never gave a bad performance in an action film, and she didn't like this. And she, I think she was a Marvin fan. She she kind of railed against her. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily critically lauded, but the Academy liked it. And I think mm. the, I think the Academy. I mean, I want to talk about the Academy in a minute. But one of the things I like about about the movie was it established him as a star, and then he didn't make. I'm going to slightly contradict what I said a, a moment ago, but he didn't make more Cat Balloons. He goes on to make The Professionals, uh, which is a great a great western. It's not top tier, but I really like it. 
and and he, he and he allows other people to steal the thunder from it. Yeah, but he's but he's the kind of calm center in, in in the middle of this bunch of mercenaries in Mexico, and Burt Lancaster steals the film from it, and then he has and that's a big commercial success, and then he has a monster hit with the Dirty Dozen. And and again, he's he's stepping back and he's allowing Charles Bronson, Jim Brown, John Cassavetes again, Telly Savalas to to do all the kind of the slightly more sort of eye catching acting. But he's holding it all together, and he's brilliant. And then and then he and then he takes this massive sort of risk with Point Blank, which is a very avant garde um, crime film uh, that incorporates a lot of you know sort of John Borman's debut in America and. And he, and he exercised his star power to give Borman complete artistic control of the film and then delivers what I think. It's not my favourite performance of his, because that's The Killers. I think he's probably his best performance in his best film in Point Blank. And he's and he's, and he's he's seeding his star power to make this. And and and, and, it, and it's almost like, the it, more so than The Killers, it's like the anti, anti-Cat Baloo performance, because he's he's almost, you know, there's, there's a case to be made that he's not even alive. He's a guy that comes back from being shot. And goes on this kind of strange existential mission of revenge, which is literally just to get the money that's that's owed him. That's all he wants. And he's silent, he's golem-like, it's a very physical performance, and he's utterly unknowable as well. And then in the middle of that, he, he goes off and makes Paint Your Wagon, which which he, I think the film's a commercial disaster, but he scores a number one hit record with I Was Born Under a Wandering Star. <laughs> And then that seems to galvanise him for more bad acting in the seventies. But he still comes back. He still, he's, you know, he, he never deviates from sort of his magnetic north, which is these sort of steely, kind of, yet yeah, steely, enigmatic, slightly unknowable character. And a lot of his characters don't have names or don't have first names. You know, so you've got Walker in Point Blank. You know, in in, in one of my favourite films of his, like The Emperor of the North. About about, have you seen that? No, it, it's sort of set in the Depression. It made a great double bill with Hard Times, you know, the Charles mm. Bronson film. That's my favourite film. I'm going to try and mention every podcast. It, you know, yeah. It, it was like, it, it, yeah, it's a Depression-era story about a, a, a tramp, an apex hobo, um, riding the rails, uh, and an apex guard played by Ernest Borgnine, whose who's mission is to kill him. You know, and, and he's just called A Number One. And then his last great role, I think, was probably Sam Fuller's The Big Red One. He's simply called The Sergeant. So you see he plays these kind of characters that are sort of, sort of almost like walking myths, you know, and conundrums. And, you know, and, mm. and, 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 then he, and then he, you know, sort of goes back and does a bit of gurning. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and, and but, but, it, but it, didn't, it didn't derail his career in the way that it, you could argue it's sport, the acting, to an extent, of Jack Nicholson and, and um, you know, should, should we talk about should we talk about like tough guys getting Oscars for sort of taking the mick out of themselves? Yeah, go on. Yeah, so I think this 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 establishes a pattern of uh, you know people doing great acting in genres that aren't necessarily rewarded with awards, and then they get awards at some point in their career, normally later on in their career, for sending themselves up. And like exhibit A and B is John Wayne, um, who. I mean, people can argue the merits of him as an actor. I, I, I'm a defender of John Wayne as an actor. I think he does brilliant work in Searchers, no Oscar nomination, you know, um, and, and other John Ford films, and then gets gets his gets his Oscar for like letting his belly hang out and just bull roaring with an eye patch in True Grit. And then you get Jack Palance, who you could say for a while is neck and neck with Lee Marvin as one of the most intense actors of the fifties. 
you know, in Shane gets well, he gets his Oscar nomination for Shane, but he's in Attack, he's in, you know, Big Knife, and he's great in those movies. And then gets his Oscar for like sending himself up in city slickers, things like that. And so, so it's, it's this horrible trajectory where, 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 where actors, you know, who do excellent work in disrespect to genres, get their get their Oscars for mugging later on in life for just sending them up. It's breaking the mold, isn't it? I suppose yeah. so. The public, when the public see an actor play a certain role, and then suddenly they flip it and do something else, it's mm. such a surprise to them that this actor who has been stereotyped or has been presented to them in such a way, you know, that's the problem, isn't it? Oh, you only do this, you only do that. It's like no, everybody's just most people are just actors, mate. They're just the work comes their way, and will you know they'll mm. gravitate to what maybe they're better at. But that doesn't mean that they're not able to, like the actor is meant to be able to take on many different roles rather than just sort of play the same thing over and over again. And so I think it's a, a public perception situation uh, where everybody gets like really excited about, um, you know, somebody doing something different. And yeah, it's a bit sort of limited and limiting and I don't really like it very much i mean i think it's no, great that actors can do different things and i and i think it's great that lee marvin did this and it's great that he got an oscar for it fair play to him mate you know like i don't you know he's a brilliant actor and like scorsese didn't get any um academy uh awards until um uh, departed. the departed right um but you know way deserved them for like many films that he'd done before um maybe this was again the academy sort of uh the Academy, actors who've won Academy Awards vote for the latest. So whatever category you're in, yeah, you're, you vote for the person that's um, up this year, right? Yeah. Um, so it's actors voting for Act Lee Marvin. Yeah. And, you know, and he's we, a, he, was a, he was a very well-liked actor as well, that, that fact. Yeah. Isn't? Yeah, yeah really, I think so. Really popular. Yeah, people loved him. You know, his, his yeah. peers loved him, you know. And he was yeah. seen as a, as, as a kind of good guy who, like, helped out younger actors, um, you know, protected protected directors and all of that sort of stuff and was a really entertaining drunk, you know, with, with massive yeah. psychological problems. Um, 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 there, was, there was a subgenre I thought about. Uh, I, I meant to mention this earlier. Um, there's a subgenre um, uh, that, that I think this film belongs to uh, called Isn't Alcoholism Fun? <laughs> kid, oh, kid, what a time for you to fall off the wagon. Look at your eyes. What's wrong with my eyes? Well, they're red. Bloodshot. You ought to see them from my side. We're counting on you, kid. Yeah, <laughs> and I was I was watching. It's, it's kind of unrelated, but it's not because I was I was watching. I was trying to test my thesis with. I was watching Arthur, the Dudley Moore film, yesterday, which I had had a bit of a hard time with, with largely due to Dudley Moore's again Oscar nominated, but sort of outrageous um, performance that's almost comparable to what Lee Marvin does, and I was almost rewarded with an Oscar. But I was thinking about John Gilgood because John Gilgood won his Oscar for that. 
And 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 basically, uh, the, the perception of it was because he swears, or he says some naughty words, you know. So that so the, the the novelty factor of having John Gilgood, who's been unrewarded, you know, in one of the most distinguished, definitely theatre careers, um, saying dick and shit in his posh accent won him an Oscar. But my thesis was destroyed when I watched the film. I thought actually he's really really good. Probably deserved his Oscar. <laughs> you know, nice. he's, like, he's like the only only subtle nuanced character in it. And he's just holding the film together and making you just 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 really kind of really really wish that he's back on screen more than he is. But but yeah, I think I think it's I think it's about disrespect to genres as well. You know, I think you could do great work in a genre that just never gets rewarded because crime films westerns you know, barely get award nominations crime films a little bit horror more films horror film yeah we, i mean we talk about horror films the amount of great performances that never get nominated don't even get considered yeah you know a24 actresses the most snug oscar category like Ridiculous, in the last few years yeah it's, you know you know so so i think i think it's more about genre and then and then i think it's about it's about guilt as well this doesn't quite apply to lee marvin because he was kind of midway through his career but with Jack Palance it's like oh um yeah maybe should have given him it's one just, uh, pr- pretty good in this um you know John Wayne you know should have you know he's he's been propping up the industry you know for for, for decades probably should have given him one for the Os- for the searchers but his character's probably a bit, a bit too unpleasant a bit too complicated let's let's give him one for like and, and also and also the whole thing of like the, the contrast of someone like sending up their image I think people like that you know yeah, breaking the mold again, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. yeah. People that don't necessarily have the most furtive imaginations, I think, yeah. when it comes to watching actors, especially if they've been presented yeah. in a certain way. Um, yeah. So yeah, when something like that happens, oh, look at him, he can do comedy. Yeah, you know, or, or, or um, not. <laughs> yeah. but, and I think but... he can do comedy. I think he was. Yeah. I think he he had really nice moments in the film. Yeah. But like I say, I just think it, it just. Just it looks it's it's not composed well. It's like you haven't you have to have a rhythm. You have to have comedy ha- is mm. is a science, mate. You know, like yeah. there is there's 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 a, a a formula for it. And if you don't stick to any of that formula, then you've just got Cat Baloo, which is like you know half a sort of like nice ish um, interesting film about a woman who's uh turns into a cowgirl i suppose or turns into a you know a a a, a criminal of some po- sort and then you know this big clowny performance by lee marvin that is only really clowny because the script shit and the and, and, and he and he and he's bad you know and he, he he's just overindulged you know and, and and so you know he i i don't think kirk douglas would have been any better he'd have argued been worse have, have you ever seen a film called the villain or cactus jack Oh, maybe a long time ago. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. I saw it as a kid. Um, and and even Douglas, even, isn't it? Pardon, Douglas. Yeah, Kurt yeah, Douglas. it's Kurt Douglas and and Margaret. And the reason it's interesting is is it's almost like uh, you know, if if it, you know, and they're both, they're both obviously Kurt Douglas is a lot older, and, and Margaret's like older, but they they were going to be Kid Shaleen and and she was going to be Cat Baloo. So it's interesting to to, to watch this very very broad awful western that has a novelty value of, of, of a young Arnold Schwarzenegger in it um I, I watched about 20 minutes of it on YouTube I just stop watching it you know it's just you know so, if, so, so I think who, whoever you stuck in that role is probably they were kind of they, they were going to pick an actor that was just going to go for it and, and be awful so it's so it's kind of a, a bulletproof role in one way but uh, but but also 
you know, the, I don't know, it was just the ingredients of the film probably dictated they were going to get an actor with a director that wasn't going to control them. And whoever did it was going to give a different kind of awful performance, but an awful performance. Can I just ask you about the song? Was that, has that song, because it's been in my head. I think it's brilliant. The best brilliant, thing in the brilliant, film, brilliant. the song, I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and those two, and, the best thing in the film. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, Talk and a bit about Stubby K. Well, all I know about him is that he, he was the, I think, it was the original Nice. He's, he's still more, he's still probably more famous for being Nicely Nicely Johnson in, uh, you know, uh, Guys and Dolls. And yeah, he's one of the original cast members that makes it into the movie, and he sings "Sit Down, You Rock in the Boat," and that's all I know about him. <laughs> you know, and and, uh, and you know, and, and he's he's great. He's great. Him and him and Nat King Cole are brilliant. They're, they're fantastic. Together. They play really well off each other, you know. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. and and it, and it is a testament to the writing of the song, the the, yeah. the performance, and and I think those bits are the best directed bits in the film. Mm. Yeah, like, and, then uh, the bits work. And I wonder, I wonder if it'd been better if they'd have just made it a, a kind of top to bottom musical. Um, yeah, you, you that would have made it a, a rougher watch for you, but uh... yeah, I, I, you know what, I like that. I like. I think it could have worked. I think you yeah. could have had this, the, the 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 story. Yes, it's going to be yeah. probably a um, the pedestrian type story yeah. of some sort. If it's if it's going to be in that, yeah. but you could have punctu punctuated it like they did with these wonderful um, uh, with the song that went all the way through with this performance by these two troubadours. Yeah. Um, but if the rest of the film was like anything like that, then it would have been great. I think it could. I think this film could have been a great film. And I think here's a thought that just occurred to me. Because I think I think Paint Your Wagon. I don't know if you might block this from your memory. You know when we were at drama school. Yeah. We we had to sit through like the third year productions, didn't we? We had to go. There's a gun to your head. You had to go. And we we sat through Paint Your Wagon. I don't know if you remember that. But the third, you might oh, skype yeah. that. Um, I, I don't like I don't like paint your wagon. We could do that. I, I don't really like learner and loan musicals. I like musicals, but I find learner and loan musicals long and boring. Um, I don't like paint your wagon. I do have the soundtrack album to paint your wagon, by the way, because Lee Marvin's on it. And um, and and if you just took all of the songs from Paint Your Wagon and dropped them into Cat Baloo, it would be a great musical. So if you had Lee Marvin singing, I was born under a wandering star. In Cat Baloo. Yeah, it might have been someone better. Else, someone yeah. else thinking, I talked to the trees, you know, maybe the Native American character or any of the, the young lads. Yeah. Or even even Jane Fonda herself singing, I talked to the trees and, and things like that. You know, you would you would have a much better movie. I think it, I think it would. I think we, I think we fixed it in an alternative universe. We'd have made it. Yeah, it's a mashup, right? Between if you, yeah. if you mashed up Paint Your Wagon and Cat Baloo, you would have a perfect film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, well, if you just took the songs, if you just destroyed everything yeah. in Catbaloo, yeah, and just and just transposed the songs, and because they they fit, I think they fit. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter that they're out of context. I mean, there's a few very specific Gold Rush songs that probably won't make any sense in 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 in, in our new alternate version of Catbaloo. There, we fixed Catbaloo. Uh um, the, 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 a couple of things that we haven't talked about yeah. that I think uh, are worth mentioning um, are that. Uh, it's like it's a it's a nice feminist piece for the time, yeah. you know. Yeah, apart, you have apart, from, a, apart from apart from the bits where, you know, like the yeah, young trying to, again, yeah, 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 yeah. But she sort of finishes with her dignity intact, you know, yeah. and gets away um, with murder. She gets away with murder. It's literally, great. That's, that's, quite, that's quite subversive, actually. She gets away with murder, literally. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah um okay. and also the native american uh yeah. tom nardini got a golden yeah. globe for it playing what was the name of the character um uh jackson two bears apparently yeah. he, he they he, they did a made for tv version of cat blue in the early 70s that he re uh, where he replayed the same part who, who played who played kid shaleen in that was it jackie i'm trying to i don't oh possibly yeah possibly yeah. um which we didn't even mention in the last uh once upon a time in the rest i don't think no. we mentioned his once no no, no well we, we mentioned him in passing we can do we can do yeah. that now and, and, and yeah. the big the big brilliant the big bit of business that we forgot to mention was the fact that they got the fly to stay on his face in that famous yeah. scene, like smearing honey on his beard. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So there we go. We've addressed that balance. Um, do we want to say anything more about Lee? We haven't even mentioned like what makes Lee Marvin such a good tough guy, which is essentially his World War Two experiences. Uh, yeah. Could you talk about what makes Lee Marvin such a good actor? Well, a good tough guy, a good act, good actor in sort of crime films and violent films, and he's. I mean, my my favorite generation of actors are, are all the sort of post-war American character actor, come ugly movie stars. You know, most of whom served in World War Two. You know, like the you know the Jack Palances, the Neville Brands, the Lee Van Cleefs. Mitchum didn't. Weirdly enough, he didn't serve in World War II, but he's, he's of a similar vintage. He had a hard life. He was on your chain gang, a hobo, and all of that sort of stuff. And Lee Marvin is is the kind of first among equals because he had the hardest uh, World War II experience. He was a Marine uh, in the battle to take the Japanese island. So he's in, involved in 21 amphibious landings, um, was wounded twice. He was, sort of, he was shot in the backside, you know, which nearly killed him. He was invalided, I think, for, for a year uh, and then shot in the foot. He was a sniper. He saw the majority of his company killed around him invariably killed people himself and then spent the rest of his life kind of processing that um which took a, an enormous toll on him in terms of his um kind of emotional life he was a heavy drinker to kind of compensate he had survivor's guilt he had ptsd before it was diagnosed well diagnosed until the 60s i think but and and, and john john borman who directed him twice and was a very close friend of his um writes very eloquently and makes a beautiful documentary articulating how Marvin sort of channeled that violence and that understanding of violence into his movies. So if you watch something like The Big the Big uh, Sleep, not The Big Sleep, The Big Heat, he just, he just it's something new, it's something raw. That scene where he, he famous scene that kind of established him as, as, as one of the great tough guy character actors where he throws coffee in Gloria Graham's face. And it happens off camera, but it's, it's the change, it's the look, it's the feral nature. And, you know, when he's, when he's beaten, with a horsewhip, um, uh, James Stewart. It, it's savage, and 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 it, and it doesn't feel like it belongs in that era. It believes like it co it comes from somewhere else. Something like primal nasties invaded this 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 period of movies and, and and embodied this man, and 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 that's one of the things I think that 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 gave him that edge and that and that sort of slight superiority in sort of communicating violence. And you, and you see you see it when he lets himself go. And unleashes violence and the killers. Um, would you agree with any of that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's a, a phenomenal actor, and I, I haven't seen as many films of his that I'd like. Like, um, did you say he was the sergeant in the Big Red one? Is that, yeah, is that right. Yeah. Which is a film I recommend. I'm, oh, sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. Just to to, to go on to that. Yeah. There's a lot of movies that I saw um, when I was younger. 
mm. that I haven't revisited, not because yeah. I didn't want to, just because I haven't got round to. So uh, watching The Killers was great. Mm. Uh, I will definitely watch the, what was the Emperor's? The, no, the, the Emperor of the North. Emperor um, of the North. And, and Prime Cut's a good one. That's just a weird one. He, he, he did sort of lean into some, some strange, that's, that's him versus gene hackman it's a real kind of it's a contemporary 70s crime film where he's he's sort of it's just it's strange and it's nasty and yeah it just involves him going down south to kansas to sort out gene hackman and and it involves kind of people being turned into sausage meat you know this this very very strange action sequence in a county fair that involves him being chased across a field with a combine harvest you know massive sort of combine harvester so it's very bizarre action sequences and he's great in it and again i think he's wearing his gray suit which is almost like his, his armor and, and and it was sissy spacex first film as well so you get this uh you know lee marvin going up against gene hackman and then having this very very sort of gentlemanly courtship considering the age difference and how creepy it could have been because i think sissy spacex was probably just barely in her 20s um between Marvin, who's probably in his fifties at that point, and SpaceX, and it, and it's just it's a wonderful film. I think, and there's so many like that in his filmography, um, and 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 yeah, and then and then he just zag and do something that involved Gurney, and then like his last films, Delta Force with Chuck Norris, you know. And so there you go. It's a it's a fascinating career. I'll, I'll show you how big a Lee Marvin fan I am. I, I brought this down. This this is the M Squad soundtrack. Wow, cool. Album, and, and at the back there, I bought this in, in a record shop in New Orleans um, and don't even have a record player at the moment. Brilliant. So it's a sort of treasured possession. But but a friend of mine mocked me uh, horribly about my Lee Marvin uh, fandom. So this is, a, this is a bit of a shout out to Simon Hammond, who I, I know is listening, um, an old friend of mine. Um, Lee Marvin never wrote an autobiography. His wife, his second, I think it was his second wife, and, and his sort of longest wife and the wife that was with him when he died, um, Pamela Marvin wrote a book about him that I was so looking forward to reading about their marriage. And then in the opening chapter, she says, many people have uh, documented Lee Marvin's filmography, so I'm not going to talk about any of that. And it's like, well, I've just paid 20 quid for this book. Yeah. <laughs> <In hardback. laughs> and then she just goes on to talk about their fishing trips because he was a big Marlin fisherman. And, and, and Marlin. my mate, yeah, yeah, Lee Marlin. Yeah, and I was, I was around, I was around my mate's mum's house. But here, yeah, he's, he's living with mum at the time. I was around my uh, my mate's house, and and he turned to his mum. He's 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 really lovely. He's like a second mum to me. He turned to his mum and he goes, uh, "Did you know that Adam's just bought a book about fishing?" And she went, "No." He goes, "Neither did he." And he's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what it, what, really? it, what it does have in there, it does have. A, I think it does have a, a a lovely forward. I think by William Hurt, who who who, who was with. I was thinking the actor's second to last movie should be their last movie. So so he did Gorky Park, where he plays his like final villain. And William Hurt credits acting with Lee Marvin. It's one of the most instructive things that, that he ever did as an actor. He says, acting with this man taught me how to act, you know. And mm. and 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 then there's and, and in it there is in, in, in the book, there's there is actually Marvin's own account of his World War II, because he wrote it down, never published it. There's his own account of his uh, World War II experiences. Which wow. he made light of in interviews, but absolutely messed him up, you know. But also, you know, it's a bit of a deal with the devil, a bit of a Faustian pact kind of provided the, you know, the kind of raw material for what a great actor he was. Yeah. 
Yeah, amazing. So leave, leave, and he's and he's buried in Arlington Cemetery, Marine Cemetery. So he's he's, yeah. he's kind of like yeah. So there he is. Mm. So is that is that a good is that a good place to kind of perfect wine? place? Yeah. Now sure. now I've got I've got a bone to pick with you. You you were supposed to pick the uh, yeah, yeah and, and we some you somehow avoided graceful, graceful. Well, this one I didn't enjoy. So like. This yeah, one I definitely punched up at, well, or punched down at, really. But anyway, yeah, punched, up, punched up at Lee Marvin, which is a risk yeah. because he, he he could fight, you know. And, yeah. uh, and so we we didn't discuss this, so we're gonna, we're going to do this sort of on air, maybe thrash out what the next film is. I yeah. I have I have I bought a copy of Inception. Yeah. All right. Let's do you're it. Not, you're not, and, and also I, I don't know when these are going to come out. The film probably be come and gone by then, but certainly the time of recording. The, the release of Oppenheimer is imminent, which is getting phenomenal advance word. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And I've never really had... As am I, actually. As am yeah. I. I mean, I haven't yeah. I haven't watched a, a Nolan film since Inception, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, the Batman films no. came before that? Well, they came, they came around it, I think. I think right, they were okay. either, either side of it, I think. I'd have, I'd have to look that up. I think he made, I had made no it. no intention. I had no sort of uh, desire to watch Interstellar. Or yeah. what, was, what else did he do? Oh, oh um, Tenet was the, the yeah, other one. Yeah, no, no, no. I can't watch Yeah, him. no, I, I didn't. I, I, yeah, I don't want to get I didn't like Interstellar. kind of like Tenet. But yeah, and, and also he did uh, Dunkirk. That's the other one he did. Um, yeah. No, I didn't see that. So, so we, can, can we do? I'm asking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can, can we do Inception? Yeah. As I spent as I spent ninety nine p on the DVD. Yeah, I'll from, give you ninety nine p back if we don't if we don't have to do it. No, no, no. We can do it. We can do it. I have to submit that in the expenses bit of my tax return. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we can do Inception, and then you know because we've we've got a, we've got a, we've got about a, a three week break I think before we record our next episode. Not not that you 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 listeners and viewers. It has any bearing because you're going to get them one a week until we just run out of patience or kill each other or something like that. Yeah. Um, we can. Uh, we'll have both seen Oppenheimer presumably, so we can talk about that as well. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have seen it. I'm going to go and see it. Yeah, you'll definitely it. have seen it. I want yeah, to in, see it, but I've just. I've, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I would. I would yeah. like to see that, but I don't know. Maybe when I come back to England, uh, I can do that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah the first section. thing. First thing you need to do, like while you're jet lagged. Yeah. Yeah. Is to go and see, go and see Oppenheimer. Get woken up by a nuclear bomb. Yeah, which which apparently hasn't been digitally done. Yeah, you know, he's done it. All yeah, I did hear something yeah, about by, that. by probably setting off an actual nuclear bomb. Yeah, you know, knowing Christopher Nolan, like he's, he's very he's very he's very analog, isn't he? So let's you know, yeah. just make a nuclear bomb, set it off, yeah. irradiate the actors in the name yeah. of art. Okay, can we do it again? We're doing it on film. We need yeah. to do it again. Please. Yeah. Oh no, the film's all melted. <laughs> so there we go. Brilliant. Yeah, I think that's well, a that's a good note to end on. Don't you think? Yeah, <laughs> that apocalyptic note. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm going to say good goodbye from Nottingham, England. I'm going to say goodbye from Sydney, Australia. Until the next time. Goodbye. Wait, I don't have the time. The mission has been completed. Groovy. Thanks so much to everyone who has listened so far. You may have heard Adam say at some point in his presumption and arrogance that our episode would come out once a week, no matter what. No idea where he got that from. He was wrong, and if you've been listening to the pod, you'll know it's not the first time. He cannot be trusted.
We're going to take a break for a few weeks and we'll be back very soon to shred some more classics, Kruger style. Remember to like, subscribe, or give us a comment wherever you get your podcasts. You can even send us an email, punchingupmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks once again for all your support. It means the world to us. Next up, Inception. See you soon.